Joining us on our program today from the island of Gea in Greece is Aglaia Kremezi, a renowned journalist, photographer, and food columnist who has written several award-winning books on Greek cooking and who has been featured in the Atlantic Monthly Food Blog, the Los Angeles Times, Gourmet Magazine, Bon Appetit, Food and Wine, BBC Good Food Magazine, and Eleftherotipia in Greece. Aglaia, thank you for joining us today. Oh, Thank you for calling me. And to begin, share with us a few words about your background. If I'm not mistaken, originally you were a journalist before getting into food writing. Yes, basically I started as a photographer and uh, I, I was an art student and then I did photography in uh, in the Polytechnic of Central London and then through photography I went into uh, journalism, uh, you know, writing captions and all that and then becoming a journalist. But I was always cooking. I loved cooking. I was uh, following my mother and my grandmother and my aunts who were very good cooks and I always loved to cook. Even when I was uh, editing very tiny time-consuming magazines like uh, news magazines and stuff because I became an editor eventually. I was always cooking and I was, I think that I was, while cooking, I was thinking what I was going to write, what I was going to do. I was making plans, but I love cooking and exploring foods and receiving people. And of course, over time, you ended up turning that passion into a career. Yes, and that that became a little bit, uh, it it was a little bit by chance because as I was editing this magazine, which was very successful in Greece, I was traveling in in the United States and I saw, that was in in the 80s, and I saw these wonderful books about Italian food and no book that was really featuring Greek cooking with pictures, with the story, with, you know, the, the additional recipes. So I said, why don't I do a book like that? So I, you know, put out a proposal. I found a, an agent. I was never thinking of that as a career. I was just thinking of it like one thing. And then, you know, starting that and getting into writing books. Uh, my first book, The Foods of Greece, actually won the Julia Child Award. And it was quite successful. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And also journalism changed quite a bit in Greece in the, you know, late late 90s and all that. So I gradually concentrated on food. And right now you're speaking to us from the island of Gea. But you you were not uh, originally from Gea. You grew up in Athens. So what prompted you to make the move to to Gea? (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, this is another interesting uh, story. This is like coming back to my roots, uh, so to speak. My maternal grandfather originally came from this island, but he went to Athens uh, in the beginning of the 20th century to look for, for a better future because there was not much on the island. I mean, it was barely sustaining a few people. So my both my mother and my father and uh, all our families were born in Athens, but somehow much later in life, in the late 80s, in the late, yeah, actually in the, in, in the mid 90s, we decided with my sister and my mother to buy a piece of land because we hadn't really kept anything from our grandfather. We didn't have any property on the island. And uh, we decided to buy a piece of land and, and build a, kind of like a summer house. And, uh, you know, we just, after the first summer, my, because we were both my husband and I were working freelance, I mean, kind of freelance, like we had columns and we were writing, we didn't have to go into an office. So we said, why don't we, you know, stay a few more months? And the few more months became 
<laughs> years. So this is now uh, actually our 11th year on the island. Now, before we talk a little bit about the uh, the cooking school that you run on the island, give us a, a picture of what life is like on the island of Kea, and particularly during the winter season when the tourists leave. Well, Kea is not uh, an island like uh, like the iconic islands that, that people have in their mind, like Santorini or Mykonos. This was never a very touristic island. This is more like, I don't know if, uh, I mean, I think that the equivalent is the Hamptons of New York, that kind of thing. Because Athenians, wealthy Athenians have built houses uh, on the on the hills overlooking the sea and all that. We have piece of land on a ravine. Uh, we have almond trees and olive trees and we don't have a sea view. So we are kind of like the old inhabitants of the island and we enjoy much more the quiet months of the summer of the winter when, of the summer of the winter when the island is much more green when there are really the traditional way of life as it used to be because it hasn't changed much on this island Now, at the present time, you run a cooking school on the island of Gea for groups of people who come to visit the island. How uh-huh. did the idea for the school come about, and what can potential students expect from taking classes at the school? It's not really, I mean, we call it cooking vacation, actually, because as I told you, I'm not a professional cook. I'm not a professional chef. I never was. So I cannot claim to be uh, teaching people kind of like uh, real, I mean, I just cook with people the dishes we prepare every day here, the Greek slash Mediterranean cooking, which is, uh, you know, using the products of the garden and making all these dishes that now dietitians tell us that are very uh, healthy, which in the old days people had to do with whatever they, they could produce in the garden. And what people learn, they tell me, and from the uh, testimonials we have uh, from, from the various participants, because now we are on the sixth year of doing these uh, care artisanal classes, they tell me that they get a general idea of how to prepare everyday meals with uh, the seasonal vegetables and greens and, you know, all the other things and fish and how they can adapt it to all kinds because that's what we do. We adapt. I mean, we may have on the menu something about one kind of fish. We don't find that. We do it with another one. Or we may, uh, in the summer, we use zucchini, but if, if we make a similar pie or pita, as we call it in Greece, because we roll our own phyllo. People make home-rolled phyllo pastry to to make uh, all the traditional pies that are stuffed with seasonal vegetables. And we may make the same kind of pie, either with zucchini or with the greens, the wild greens in in, in the spring. And all these dishes that we take for granted, we Greeks take for granted, but apparently it seems that they are not. And as you mentioned, one of the finest aspects of traditional Greek cooking is the emphasis on fresh and seasonal fruits and vegetables. What are some seasonal Greek specialties that you would like to recommend for this time of the year? This time of the year is uh, winter, so we have greens, greens and fresh herbs in the garden. And so we have, we make all kinds of things with, we make the pies, as I said, we make spanakorizo, which is a kind of risotto with spinach and scallions. And of course, the winter is the time for pork on the islands. Pork is, uh, it's, it's a 
an important element in the cooking of the Cycladic Islands. This is something that they probably got from the Venetians uh, who were ruling the, the, the islands for many years. And all the byproducts of the of the uh, when they slaughter the the pork, they prepare all this uh, charcuterie. The Greek uh, kind of traditional pork products are very interesting here. For example, on the island of Kea, we make loza, which is what the Italians call loncha, the pork loin, which is stuffed into. It's 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 macerated in wine and with spices. It is stuffed into the pork's intestine and then smoked. And it's like the can jamón serrano, let's say. <laughs> so all these things. And we also cook pork with queens. This is something there. There are quite a few queens trees. We also have a couple in the garden. And this time of the year, I cook a lot with queens. And I do notice that you seem to have a special affinity for pies, uh, which are, of course, uh, there's many different types of pies in Greek cooking. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot. Uh, the pies are kind of like an, a convenient food that, again, because that's what the essence of Greek cooking is. This is the the ingenuity of the uh, of the home cooks to invent a lot of different dishes using the same products, uh, the, the the same produce from the garden because they were stuck with greens, let's say, for a long time. So they had to invent a lot of different greens, and except from the pie or the the spinach rice or the green rice that I'm telling you, then if there is some meat, you can also cook a little bit of meat with the greens and finish it with avgolemono, which is the Greek egg and lemon sauce. And pies are made with everything. I mean, just a handful of herbs and a little bit of cheese and yogurt and maybe some bulgur or some rice. And this is a pie. And you can make, you roll the filo, the, the, the filo that uh, are, uh, the people who participate in our classes learn. It's a very easy way and they learn the technique and then they can practice and this is so much different from the store-bought or the frozen filo that you find in the United States. And basically, I think that for Greeks and Middle Easterns, the pies are, you have to think of them as the Eastern Mediterranean sandwich. Because the ratio between stuffing and filo, if it is homemade filo, it's more or less the ratio of a sandwich. And the filo plays also a very important role in the taste of the whole thing. Let's continue talking a little bit about Greek cooking and the traditional Greek diet. We've been discussing some of its uh, qualities, but what are for you some other distinctive attributes about the Greek cuisine and the Greek diet? First of all, the way we eat is quite different. For example, we have usually when we uh, lay the table, we have a main course, which might be uh, most of the time traditionally wasn't meat. Meat was eaten uh, once or twice a week when I was growing up and up until the late 70s, uh, the mid-late 70s, meat was not eaten every day. So the main course might be basically uh, vegetables and starch, like potatoes or uh, spaghetti or rice or bulgur with any kind of seasonal vegetable. And then there is always a salad. In the winter, we have the green salads, either boiled greens, which we call horta, or we may have squash, winter squash here on the island. 
people are very like very very much the you know boiled winter squash which is dressed with olive oil and and garlic or we always have in the garden we always have all uh, two or three different kinds of lettuce and other uh, other greens like uh, arugula and herbs after that which is and always we have and of course cabbage which we eat our cabbages are not large cab- i mean they may become very large but they are very tender they are a different kind of cabbage than the cabbage one finds in the north like in the united states or in northern europe it's much much more tender and we slice it very thinly and we dress it with lemon and olive oil and that's it and these salads are never you always you, you cannot you know have a dinner or a or a lunch without having one of these salads to go with the main course and usually we don't have dessert every day we don't have dessert we have fruit fruit is eaten like a dessert uh, after the main course or you may omit it but usually this is how a meal is constructed and that's how i grew up eating What would you say is the significance of food and eating as an act, as an activity in the Greek culture? Ah, uh, it plays a, a very important role because of its stress on vegetables. It involves quite a lot of preparation. Basically, most of the time, if you and if you are not very well organized, usually, I mean, I cook two twice a week. Uh, and I prepare. I kind of like half prepare the vegetables, so you know, every day I can make a different dish with half cooked vegetables uh, in in uh, 30 minutes. But this is, I mean, I mean it, it needs. To be, it, it amounts to some kind of planning, and also you need to be well prepared because, as you know, vegetables uh, take some time. I mean, if you just serve uh, a steak every day, you just put it on the fire and you eat it. But th- this is not what it is. So it plays quite an important role, uh, food. And what I forgot to tell you is that bread is also very important. You always eat bread with the food. I mean, people still buy bread every day. They eat bread. With With the food, because the main courses are vegetables, and uh, we eat quite a lot of bread with them, and also cheese. If we have a vegetable dish like, let's say, green beans or, uh, or greens, uh, because greens are also made sautéed with lemon and onions and a bit of potatoes, and we have uh, the main course maybe sautéed greens, yachnera. And with it, you can eat some cheese and bread, and this is a full meal. So bread is really very important. And you mentioned cheese, of course. Yes. <laughs> Are there any cheeses or any ingredients that you would like to talk about that are particular favorites of yours that our listeners might not be as familiar with? Oh, cheeses! Uh, cheese. Uh, we have so many cheeses in Greece, but they never, they hardly ever go beyond the little village where they are produced. Because they are basically artisanal cheeses. In, on the islands, every second house makes cheese. But this is the cheese that they consume because they have uh, on the Greek islands of the Cyclades they also have some cows. But basically, the Greek cheeses are uh, produced from sheep's and goat's milk. And during our classes, during our artisanal cooking vacation classes, we have uh, cheese tastings, extensive cheese tastings. We bring cheeses from at least 12 or 15 different cheeses, which we taste, and people are really flabbergasted. They never uh, expected to find these kind of cheeses, but these are not commercial cheeses. And I'm really very sad that so few 
exceptional Greek cheeses are exported to the United States. But these are not large productions or anything. But something that maybe uh, your listeners don't know is that Greeks consume per capita in Europe more cheese than anybody else. More cheese than the, the French, actually. Of course, most of it is feta. And that probably would be a surprising statistic for many of our listeners, precisely because, as he mentioned, there's really not that many Greek cheeses that are widely known to the American marketplace. Right. Yeah. To continue on that topic, how do you believe Greek cuisine and Greek food products could be better promoted in the United States and elsewhere? Well, uh, up until now, you see, when things were kind of like moving along better in Greece, we had this kind of claustrophobic economy, I think. Nobody really got, and, and it's not so easy to start exporting because you need quite a lot of red tape is involved and people were just selling their products because they could sell the products here and they, they were kind of like happy. But now that things are getting quite tough in the country, I think that exports have started to be much more prominent and you will see much more products in uh, the Greek markets. For example, in Adina de Luca has some wonderful product from uh, Messini from southern Peloponnese, which were recently exported. And also other people I found at the, as I'm a guest lecturer, I'm often a guest lecturer at the Culinary Institute of America in Napa in their uh, Words of Flavor seminars. And I was very surprised to find this year three different brands of grape molasses from Greece from Crete, from the Peloponnese, and I don't know, from another part of, of the country. You know, grape molasses is what Italians call vincotto, and the Turks call it pekmez. We call it petimesi in Greek, and it's produced by boiling down for hours the must, the grape must. The, the grape juice, let's say. And this is like a syrup. It has a wonderful taste. And it's an ingredient that I decided with Anna Sorton, who has uh, the restaurant Oleana in Massachusetts. We decided to suggest some, uh, some dishes with that because it is so interesting. And it's used quite a lot in the Middle East and everywhere in uh, Eastern Mediterranean and in Greece, of course. But up until now, it was it was very difficult to find it. If you didn't make your own from your own grapes, it was difficult to find it even in Greece. And now there are three brands exported in the States. So this is very, I think, op I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic that as time passes, you will find more and more high quality Greek ingredients. Now we need to explain what they are used for and what we make with them. And I think that this is a role that you, your uh, <laughs> your radio shows and uh, the Greek-American uh, publications uh, and also our books uh, are going to, to undertake and our websites, of course. <laughs> And that is one thing that we are trying to, to do through our radio program, which is to promote all of these aspects of the Greek culture, including the Greek cuisine, that are not widely known, unfortunately, in the United States. No, no. But I think that we shouldn't really kind of contain it into the Greek towns and all that. This is what uh, I think that eventually when all these wonderful products uh, are more widely available, I think that it will stop to be confined into the Greek towns everywhere and it will go more to, to the mainstream. 
And certainly also the possibility of so many more Greek products being exported can also provide one possible ray of light for the Greek economy that is struggling right now as well. Very much so, very much so, yes, yes. And Greeks are very enterprising when the, the whole environment is right. And right now the environment in Greece is not. And, but if they see that their products are really well received, they will be encouraged and you will see more uh, good quality things being exported. And this is certainly something that people need here, you know, provide work for people because unemployment is really very high. But people have to learn to go back to the roots, which is not an easy transformation, unfortunately. On the topic of Greeks returning to their roots, one thing that we have been hearing is that with the crisis, more and more Greeks are turning away from the cities to the, and going back to the islands, to the rural areas, and returning to the land and to the sea once more. Is this something that you have observed, first of all, and do you believe that Greece's periphery holds untapped potential for the country? Absolutely, absolutely. There is a lot of untapped potential here. And here on, on our island, for example, we don't have a really certified uh, cheese producer. There is quite a lot of uh, home cheese production, but there are a lot of goats and sheep and, and cows. And there could be a small cheese, artisanal cheese production. But there is no workshop like that. And because of the, the red tape, that's, that's the other thing. There is so much red tape in order to get all the permits and all that. So it hasn't been one. But the problem is that it's, it's difficult for people to start cultivating the land or getting back to, to what their ancestors used to do because, uh, you know, most Greeks come from rural areas anyway. But it's not, uh, they have learned to be in the city and they, it, it's difficult for them. Let's say it's difficult for them to, to make the transition. On the other hand, I see it even here on the island, pieces of land that were com completely left, uh, uh, now they are cultivated this year and, and past year they are cultivated. People are, you know, producing some things for their family or, you know, or for the restaurants here. There is much more of that, but it's more from people that were already here. I hear some stories. The New York Times had a story of these people who, who returned to, to Hughes and started being involved into the mastic production or having some snails for export. These are some things and that have started. Even in the north, people started doing this. And snails, somehow it's the in thing. Maybe, I don't know. It's It's something that... A lot of people started in Greece because it's, it, it seems that uh, they can uh, export it easily. But other things uh, need people to have patience to start working pa patiently because, you see, uh, working the, the land and having a garden, we learned it also the hard way, it doesn't have a guaranteed success. One year you may produce something and the next not. And, and we have the insects, we have, especially if you want to do organic as we do with just, you know, compost and without spraying and all that. It's not so easy. But people learning, uh, people, you know, people learn and maybe I think that it's, it's, uh, it, it's happening. Before we wrap up, tell us a few words about some of your books and publications. From what I understand, you've written several award-winning books on Greek food and Greek cooking. I have. I have written about five books, but unfortunately only two of them are in print. The Foods of Greece, which was my first book, big book, 
with uh, the one that won me the Trulia Child Award is out of print, unfortunately. But my Foods of the Greek Islands is always in print. It is one of the books that are very close to my heart. And also the Mediterranean uh, Hot and Spicy, which is uh, the latest book I did uh, two years ago, has uh, some of the recipes that I cook every day because I'm trying to hold back on salt. So I'm, I'm cooking more spicy food. So I searched all around Greece and the Mediterranean to find recipes that were very flavorful and spicy and without much um, salt. So this is Mediterranean hot and, and spicy. And I also have a website, aglaiacremezi.com, where one can find, you know, we I post stories and recipes uh, quite regularly. I mean, not as regularly as I would like. But I would start doing it more regularly now that, unfortunately, the the newspaper I used to to have a column for and quite a lot of work is kind of like folded. Aglaia, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and to share your knowledge and everything that you've discussed with us about all of this delicious food. We greatly appreciate your time. Thank you today. very much, Michali. I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled that you know that you gave me this opportunity to get in touch with uh, Greeks and Greek Americans and also the the U.S. public. Thank you very, very much. Thank you.